0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Welcome to the Drivers Meeting Podcast, hosted by RJ Starcevic, aka NASCAR Report, and driver and team owner, of the number 44 Martins Motorsports Chevrolet in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Tommy Joe Martin. And welcome back to the Drivers Meeting Podcast, episode number eight. And this podcast is now presented by the Belief Podcasting Network. Happy to be with them from now on until wherever the future holds. But we're back, episode number eight. Myself, RJ Starsvick with Tommy Joe Martins and our special guest, Jeremy Clemens. Thanks for coming on with us tonight.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it.
1: So I just wanted to start off when you know, everybody who follows the Xfinity series and ask in general, they know who you are. They know your team, the number 51. I mean, if you were to think of two teams, even just one that have been here for a while in the Xfinity series that seem to get better and better each year. And, you know, it would be your team, maybe Sieg at the 39, but how important is it for you and your team every single year just to keep getting better?
2: It's super important. You know, every year we try to get more and more funding and, try to make our engines better, which we build ourselves, and all that adds up. And you try to people come and go. So you got to adapt to that, but uh, try to get better cars and try to make everything just work better and go faster. And you figure out things as you go to, to the different tracks. I remember, you know, we went to road America, my first road course in 2011 and I think we showed up there with a 12 to one steering box. I mean, we had no idea what we were doing. So, Uh, to look back at that now it's just pretty funny and we had a it was just a a intermediate car that we brought that we put road course suspension on and so yeah we every year you just learn and learn and try to make everything better and better so just like we just raced Martinsville um, well end of October and when we go back there we'll have I think we should be better I can't say we will be but we should be so just things like that but I'm looking forward to 2021 and uh, with the way uh, – it looks like we're going to have a, a stout uh, field of competition there next year. Maybe Tommy Joe can elaborate on that too. But
0: <laughs> oh no, well, it's funny, it's funny you bring that up, Jerry, because that's something we've talked about on the show. Uh, we, we spent a lot of time talking about kind of the dynamics of the field, and it seems like it's changing a little bit in our series where, you know, really, if you think about it, a few years ago when we were out there doing this, Really, the field was kind of broken up into three sections. You know, you kind of had, you had the guys at the front, obviously. and You had some guys that were really doing it cheap at the back. <laughs> and, yeah. and I could throw your hat in the ring there for a little bit when you guys were first getting going. You guys were back there in the back kind of doing it cheap, getting scuffed tires, doing that kind of stuff. But then you yeah. stepped your program up. And then there were some guys kind of occupying the middle. And the thing that RJ and I have kind of said is it seems like the middle has kind of died off. And I, and I put the explanation on this is like really – the only two people that are doing it like as cheap as you can do it, but still being as competitive as you can be. It's like you see Brandon Brown. That's kind of the middle now. Like you guys have kind of said, se- and I say this like as we run a team and i drive yeah. for it. You guys mm-hmm. I feel like have separated yourselves more than the rest of the field.
2: Yeah. I, I feel you, Tommy. I mean, it's, it's been tough, and it's only getting tougher. To be honest, you know that obviously, but yeah, I mean, I there was some races I ran with Mike Harmon's car, Bailey Curry driving. <laughs> I mean, when we were off, we we you know, no practice, and you unload, and you might just you might just suck the first run. I don't know how else to say it, but uh, <laughs> uh, you're struggling, and guys that you're like you never race with. No offense to those guys whatsoever, because they're yeah. good drivers too. I don't mean that in any disrespect uh
0: the car, the car yeah itself. The car.
2: so uh you're racing with teams like that uh bj mcleod's team which i think is a great team uh they run good here and there for sure they've gotten better but i've been running with you know matt mills i remember at richmond when we were racing yeah. uh, the first or the second day i don't remember it just all kind of uh goes together but yeah it's like uh it's crazy how that works so all those teams are getting better and better and um, we've got to step it up too. And man, like teams like Ryan C, wow, they have really stepped it up, and they uh, they're doing everything it takes to be a top tier team. And I wish I want to do that too, but I still want to st- stay in the series. If we spend <laughs> that much, we'll be out pretty quick.
0: I get it. And and what I think is interesting here, Jeremy, is you've been in this longer than even I have. I mean, what was your first year in Xfinity?
2: Well, uh, my first race was actually 2003, and then I bounced around. I ran the last five in 2007, and then from there on, 08, 09, 2010, we were just doing more and more. And then 2011, I've been full-time since then. Right. So 2011, full-time season, and since then, we've been full-time.
0: Yeah, and I was going to expect I, – I thought it was 2012, because remember, I did my deal in 2014 – and we look like a real bunch of assholes out there with no idea what we were doing. And that, and you had been out there for a couple of years. And honestly, and every time we've done this year, we, and I've, I've talked to you about this in person, so it's not too embarrassing for me to talk about on a podcast. We've kind of circled y'all as like a great model for what we want to do as a family team, right? We want to be kind of near that upper middle pack, not go crazy with how much money we can spend, but kind of stay within ourselves, but still be, competitive, and I think you guys have done that better than anybody, but you, you've really seen the the dynamic of the field change in your time out there where when you were first out there, you could have been spending more money than you're spending now and running 33rd, and now yeah. you're up there competing for, for top 10s and top 5s on a given day. So it's just changed a whole lot. Talk about that.
2: Oh, my gosh, man. I've seen a lot of comers and goers. i tell you that. And, I mean, when we first started, it was – 20, 25 cup teams in it, you know, I mean, it was crazy. And every year it's gotten a little bit better for sure. I mean, this, this past year was, I hate to say it, not the easiest. It's like, as far as big teams go, there were just less of those. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Uh, my dog is literally trying to hunt my leg right now.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks Molly. Uh, now she wants out. So let me, let me let her out here. You're this, very, is good look.
0: this is a good yeah, bridge here because I think i'm so good, sorry <laughs> no it's good look, no because a better question i think jeremy is legitimately like do you guys feel like you've stepped it up or do you guys kind of feel like you you've had kind of the same plan the whole time yeah. obviously you get better with more experience right but do you yeah you've really stepped up your program or that the series has kind of come to you over the over the course of time
2: well, I think it's both, really, because, you know, we're still racing against the big teams, the Joe Gibbs Racing, Stuart Haas, all those teams that are going to be fast regardless. And there's some tracks that, yeah, I mean, if we're on our game, we can kind of keep up. Like, I remember Bristol and Road to America, I, w- I literally, uh, Briscoe for uh, fourth place, I got in fourth. And then the rain came. We were right there. I was behind the 21, uh, Whoever's driving it, I don't remember. But um, there, there are some instances, yes, where if we have our stuff together, we can run with those guys. 90, uh, 75, 80% of the time, they're going to outrun us for sure. But so in saying that, I feel like, yeah, we have stepped our game up some. But it has come back, too, because there's just not as many of them as there used to be, which I think is great because it's it's a pain in the ass to run against them. (laughs) I mean, in a perfect world, I would be driving a Joe Gibbs Racing car, a Penske car. Uh, Man, I'd love to. I'd give anything to. People don't understand that. They're like, why do you keep doing this? Like, it's like, (laughs) well, give me $4 million and we go and drive for, you know, uh, Penske. So, it's just – obviously it's very hard to get that kind of funding. So keep doing it this way. We're doing good. We're making it better and better and we're able to make a living. So I guess that's all you can ask for.
0: You know, I want to, I want to follow up with this for a second though. All right. So Jeremy, you want a race. You want to, you want to race. A, in the a, I, it's very, very like specifically placed. I see in the background here just to make well, me more jealous. This is, this is <laughs>
2: I I don't really work in. Here. I, I just my office where I have I sit and uh, <laughs> right. later is oh, uh, broke right now. Needs I need a new computer, but I'm uh, I'm too cheap to but go buy one. Uh, and then yeah. So then anyway, this is just uh my what do you call it uh uh stuff where I keep slots. What's the word uh Your storage? Slots, room,
0: basically, you shot
2: shot.
0: Yeah. Look, I want you to explain something to everybody watching this podcast right now, because this is something that I have brought up to RJ. And it's something that the average NASCAR fan probably doesn't understand. And you know that I've gotten in some hot water for some of the stuff that I've said here. But now you're (laughs) a guy that, I mean, again, circle the people that are just clearly overachieving year in, year out, like take everything else away from it. Jeremy Clement's the driver. I don't know what else really you have to prove that you can like overachieve work on your own stuff. Like check all the boxes. If I'm a bigger team and I'm looking at like, okay, I'm going to hire somebody. What more would you really want a guy to do? If you were like a mid-level cup team, like you would have circled all the boxes there. Has anybody ever reached out to you?
2: Not, not, not that doesn't want money, you know? (laughs) I mean, that's the truth of it. I mean, I've talked to uh, middle middle tier cup teams, and obviously the really good Xfinity teams. Most of them are just paid rides. You know that. Obviously, the fans need to know that they're most mostly all of them are paid rides. So, I mean, unfortunately, it just it just hasn't ever worked. The one time I had a legit uh, offer was in 2016 uh, with Penske. They were gonna I was gonna drive the car at Kentucky. The second Kentucky, when the playoffs started, and it all came down if uh, Blaney made the the playoffs, he didn't make them, so he drove it, and that was just like, dang it, that was my only shot to ever like race a top tier car. But besides that, I've never even had an offer. Besides, hey, what 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 can you bring with you? And it sucks. It's that way. It it really does. It's disheartening. You know, uh, it scares me to think that. I might go my whole career and not even get a shot in a top-tier car. But, uh, you know, we keep fighting, man. I don't know what else to do. You keep fighting, and maybe one day something to happen, the stars
0: align, and you get a shot. So right now, how are y'all are running? You're running up near the top ten. For you as a driver, just purely the drive in the car, compare yourself now to where you were as a driver, say, four or five years ago, Right. Do you feel like you're doing a lot of the same stuff in the car that you're doing now? And it's just the difference is you're running to the top 10 more often. Uh, yeah,
2: for sure. I mean, like I said earlier, you learn more and more and you don't, you try not to make the same mistakes you did before. And, you know, we go to the road courses and you learn about those and you know, those stay the same really, you know, like you figure out, okay, I can get in this corner. I can try this corner first gear, or whatever. Yeah. Um, you do, you do things like that. But besides that, I mean, I did do some, uh, practice and qualifying in 08, ish for Joe Gibbs racing when Kyle and Joey were, uh, on their cup cars. And I remember I got, it was 2008 Kentucky and that was the year the 18 car wasn't running full time. Well, Denny Hamlin had been in it Darlington a few months ago. He was the fastest in practice. He wrecked and qualified. They didn't make the race. Here comes me in Kentucky, like two two months later. Jason Ratcliffe's crew chief. I'm driving the car for practice qualifying. He's like, dude, just go out there and run 70%. Doesn't even matter. We qualify. He's just, Kyle's going to start last. So uh, I remember I was second in practice and I'm, I remember driving the car. And it was so, it was stupid fast. Like I didn't even have to try. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> I qualified seventh. I said, "I said, oh my god, this car is so fast! Like I barely even drove it. So, hence, you put me in my car. I'm driving it all the way as hard as I can. Yeah. You know, we race. I mean, we've we've raced really hard, and uh, and you're just driving the hell out of that thing. And it and you're you know P12. <laughs> it's like yeah. that's all.
0: That's, I yeah. don't know what to tell Oh, yeah, it's it's probably more than we got. I actually don't know how I even ran that." and you look yeah. up and you're still you're 18th on the board yeah it's tough uh it's just the way it is it's <laughs> right. all right rj i'm gonna let you yeah. handle it for a minute i know i've been i've been a pester.
1: <laughs> no it's all good i was thinking of something uh while we're talking about all this xfinity dynamic stuff and uh i, I talked to jeremy like i think it was before the indie road course race and we we're talking about the series and the dynamic and all that stuff and he brought up an interesting point about something and when people talk about the Xfinity series and cup drivers always running in it. And that brings, you know, a whole other level of competition. Once you get to the playoffs in the last few races there, well, there's a rule now where they can't race. But I think before Jeremy brought up a really cool point about how, you know, when these cup drivers come in, Kyle Busch, he's driving a, a an elite Joe Gibbs racing car, you know, when, uh, or someone else comes in, they're driving, you know, their cup equipment in an Xfinity car. Some people don't. Um, but I think he brought up a really cool point a while ago. He was saying, you know, Hey, if someone like Kyle Busch comes and race, he would love to see them run something that wasn't a Joe Gibbs racing car. And I thought that was really interesting. Cause I hadn't really thought about that before, or at least a whole bunch. I mean, is there anything you'd want to elaborate kind of on that subject, Jeremy?
2: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll double down on that. <laughs> Putting cup drivers in cup cars is just, it's, it's ridiculous really. You know, it's, it's not even fair. So you put a guy that, that drives uh, two or three times more laps than you do in a given weekend has twice the track time at least. And then you put them in the best uh, cars. It's like, wow, they're putting on a show today. It's like, no, it's just, I mean, the cars are that good. You know, I mean, those guys are great drivers, of course. Yes, they are. There's no question, but if they want to run with us, it's not fair to put them in equipment like that. Put them in a non-affiliated cup team. That's just, I mean, it, it fires me up because what I said earlier about, you, I, I got in that car and like it was 2008. And I'm second on the board in practice and I qualified seventh. And it's like.
0: And you think about where you were as a driver in 2008, versus where you are now. Yeah. Oh my God.
2: 12 years later. I mean, look at that. That's insane. So yeah, it's just, it's not right. And it fires me up really. Cause uh, they stink up the show. Cause they're in the best equipment and millions of dollars in engineering. And we can't compete against that. We've got four employees in a pull-down rig and a chassis dyno. And that's what we got. So, I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's the truth obviously uh, we want to be that way, but it's, it's impossible to race against that kind of equipment.
0: And and Jeremy's again, look, look, I used to complain a lot more than I do now, (laughs) but I think Jeremy and I both understand what's going on here you want to be as good as you can possibly be. And you just understand kind of what you're up against. Like that's the problem is that we, we, we have now kind of seen what you're up against and you just go, well, all I can do is all I can do. That's yeah. not going to put me out of business and I'm going to try to run as good as I can. And that the impression that, that people get from the outside here, RJ is, well, Jeremy Clements, Tommy Joe Martins, they must just be an average driver if they're finishing 15th every week. And it's like, that's what will get your blood boiling because you go, yeah. well, actually for me to be finished <laughs> here, I'm beating like, let's say now because RJ and I've gone over this, Jeremy, let's think about our series, right? There's 36 cars showing up every week of those 12 of them were cup affiliated teams. And I'm including Colic racing in that because they're pretty tied uh, with, with RCR, right? 100. So 12 of them are cup affiliated teams. Well, that's still 24 cars, that you just said now in our series, there used to be a few gimmies where you would go, eh, 74 car, they're not going to be any good. Eh, well, the 52 car, they're not going to be any good. There really weren't, like, a lot of gimmies this year. (laughs) Like, it was pretty deep from 13th to 35th. And if you stuck, you're just running 29th. You're running 30th one day. Uh, yeah, Like that happened exactly. to us. I'm yeah. sure it happened to y'all. And, and yeah. that's the, the thing that I really want to spell out to the, to the normal audience, which is like, okay, you got two races going on here. It's not impressive for somebody in one of those top 12 cars to get a top 10. Yeah. That's not impressive. You only beat two people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly.
0: It's impressive when Josh Williams gets a top 10, it's impressive there when Jeremy is. Clements gets a top 10 because they had to beat everybody else plus a couple of those cars they probably shouldn't be
2: and and those are the good days you know in my opinion i can run if i can be the first nine big tier team car uh that's a that's a good day and then if you beat any of those guys that's even better day so (laughs) that's that's the way i kind of race To be honest with you so um that's what we did uh Luckily, to finish season off at Phoenix, finishing tenth, that was great. Push put me in a good mood for this offseason. season. So, because <laughs> there's nothing worse. And I know you, you uh, I think a you blew motor up. up. <laughs> I'm so sorry, I hate that. Because it's okay, <laughs> yeah, it's- it happens. It burns me up to end the season off like and something you don't know, you either run bad or something breaks it just sucks. Well, you
0: got, you got everybody there because it's the last race of the year and everybody comes in and, and you want it to be kind of like a yay we did it and then you're all out to dinner and you're like well that sucked we finished dead last we blew motor up.
2: Yeah, exactly. But I tell you what, Tommy, I I was impressed with the with the way you started and the way you where you do. <laughs> And, and, you man, you went from uh, just barely trying to make the points to you ran really good a lot of times, ran with me a lot of times, and I I was impressed, buddy, so good job to you.
0: Thank you. Yeah, we had to turn things around there uh, middle of the year. It was kind of the pivot point, but we, we measured it. Uh, this, was, this was the thing. This is what we held our hat on there at the very end of the year, even though we, we blew up at Phoenix. We went, all right, from middle of the year onward, we were, I think, Jeremy, I think y'all were about 30 points better than us for the rest mm. of the year. And we said, uh-huh. man, if we were ever as good as them, we'd be really kicking butt. Yeah. It's like, I, and you and I have talked about this. When you guys are struggling and I'm better than you, it's like, uh, and you get out of the car and you go, man, we were just terrible today. And I was like, man, we are pretty good. <laughs> so, and that's fine. But y'all y'all have put your program together for so much longer than we have. We're still yeah. a book over where we're at.
2: Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we try different setup things and, and obviously you would know what I'm talking about. You try a different setup things and they either gonna work or they're not. And if they do work, you're fast. But they don't, boy, it's a struggle. But you try those things, especially this year when there was no practice, to try to to try to lessen that gap to the big teams. And they were just you know, there's a handful of times it just didn't work and we sucked. So Yeah. <laughs>
0: And there's nothing really you can do about it. There's not a lot of adjustments you can make.
2: That's exactly right. You're stuck in the box you came with. And uh, track bar, wedge, air pressure, and grill tape is not going to fix it.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's not. And But do you think that that played into our advantage this year? And I'm saying ours, like as smaller teams. Yeah. Because I looked at like what happened with uh, – and I, I like to bring this up on a podcast. Like what happened with the Gibbs cars at Richmond? Now I was going to say that, too. That, that's the one that stands out to me is like, yeah. oh, holy cow. <laughs> like, how, how am I passing all three of these guys on a long run here at Richmond? And then, of course, the second day, boom, they get to turn around and they're up there and they're all fast. But oh. would that have ever happened if mm-hmm. we had a practice? Like, probably no way.
2: No way. No way. So, yeah, there was those instances where that did happen. Just like I said, we, we had a few – crappy runs because we showed up and thought what was going to be good wasn't so it's kind of the same thing but you're just when, when they do it you're like wow you're, you're just shocked because all the tools and everything they have which which is awesome for them I'm, I'm jealous <laughs> I'm not complaining so uh, yeah they have their off days too and I remember racing against Briscoe at, at Richmond he wasn't good uh, he wasn't that good at Martinsville either in my opinion so the And they won, like, I don't know, what, nine races? I don't even know. Right off the top of my lot. So, um, that being said, those guys, all of them had their off days. And with no practice, that just made it more and more of those uh, to happen. So I And I like that.
0: (laughs) You know, we get a lot of people that comment to me that go, "Uh, well, man, it's just not like it was in the old Bush Series days. You had a lot of veterans – that were just – you know, they kind of just got branded with the series in a way. Like, I think about, like, uh, Corey LaJoy's dad. uh mm, you know, and, and Yeah, and, and Randy and all and all those guys that kind – of, you know, uh, oh, my gosh. There, there were so many guys that just kind of became Bush Series guys. Yeah. And really, Jerry J-
2: – Jason Keller and – Keller.
0: It was another uh, guy on top of my head, yeah.
2: Mike McLaughlin. Uh, Scott Wimmer, for the most part. Sure. Guy- Guys like that, maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Kenny Wallace was a yeah. Bush series guy. You know, so I think about this and I go, "All right, well, who are the new Bush series guys?" And it's like, "Well, it's like you and Ryan Sieg, kind of are the new oh boy Bush series guy." But think about it, Jeremy. Think about how long you've been out here doing
2: this. Yeah, I still I think, look
0: young, though. <laughs> hey, still looking great. But you've seen a lot of people come and go through the series. And, and you have you ever thought about yourself like that? Uh,
2: I feel like I get that sometimes actually, you know, somebody will say, um, are you going to be in the NASCAR race, uh, tomorrow? And I'm like, there, it's all NASCAR. It's just different series. You know, they call the cup, the cup series it, they're, that they're NASCAR. And I'm thinking, well, what a we So, yeah, that I get that gets on my nerves a lot, to be honest. You know, it rubs me the wrong way, but I don't say anything. I'm always nice, and yeah, we raced the day before. It's called the Xfinity Series, but <laughs> I cannot now.
0: tell you. I'm laughing really hard over here because I can't tell you how many times I've had the exact same conversation with somebody.
2: <laughs> yeah, it drives me crazy. So no, I don't. I don't. I've gotten some opportunities to maybe drive a car and cup but you're talking 30th place on back cars and I'm just not interested in that. I'm really, I don't want to do that. I, I'm not just there to be there. I don't run my team like that. I don't race like that. I don't, I've tried to get um, decent rides. Like I said earlier, and I'm talking, I need a million dollars just to do that. And I'm like, hell, I can only about get half, half of that maybe for our own team. So uh, yeah, it just never worked out. And I I don't, I want to run cup for sure uh one day and I, I haven't given up hope on that so but uh, i love the xfendi series it's a great series we run a lot of great tracks the payout's great i love that we run every week well not every week well i love that we run a lot how about that because yeah. people are like once you're in the truck series i'm like well they don't run enough for me they don't pay enough everything costs the same <laughs> um, I, I, I like to race man i want to be i want to race every week so uh, oh, I wish we ran 10 more times. Hell, I do too, man. man. Uh, even my dad, which I was surprised, he even said uh, when we landed, this is kind of sad, it's the last race already. And I, I remember that because it was like, I don't know if he has fun half the time, you know, he don't say much. <laughs> I'm like, does he enjoy this anymore? I don't know. So when he said that, I was like, well, that's that's cool. He enjoys this too still. So uh, I, I just love racing uh I think r j asked me you've you been doing any other kind of racing, and hell, I wish I could, but all everything I have is poured into that team, so I can't just go run dirt late models like I would love to uh on the side or something for instance, yeah. so um, yeah, we're just trying to make it as best as we can, and to do that, everything goes into it
1: yeah i I think one big component about the small the smaller teams is t v time and how much time you get on t v and I feel like I don't know how much you guys notice. I don't know how many times you guys go back and because obviously you're driving, but I don't know how many times you guys go back and watch the races, watch the broadcasts. I mean, I see the broadcast. Do you feel like the networks kind of do a good job? And and I mean, Tommy Joe talked about this two weeks ago with Jamie Little, the storytelling about the teams, uh, you know, towards the mid pack, back of the pack, those stories. Do you feel like the networks, uh, you know, the broadcasting do they think they do pretty well of kind of showing the teams all around the track instead of just the powerhouses at the front?
2: I don't, I don't want to be mean, I don't think they do a lot of the time. And practice and qualifying, not having that's kind of taking that away because yeah. you do, they would talk about that more and that's the and that stuff. So now it's just, and I don't, and I can't really even say, I don't, I don't honestly go back and watch the races anymore really Um, unless unless I I did watch the Road America one when I won (laughs) three years ago Uh, that's I mean (laughs) besides or unless it's a wreck I just don't I don't know I don't go back and watch it Uh, most time I watch uh, the cup race and just try to uh, take notes of of that day and think about it but um, yeah I don't I don't know I don't so it's kind of unfair me to even criticize them uh, but Maybe Tommy Joe, I'm sure he can add to that. Maybe.
0: Uh, look, I grilled Jamie about it a little bit. Last Good. Week. I mean, I, I think there is room for improvement. I will say that, of course. That, you yeah. know that that's that's it. But but I do think I will say this: as the series has changed, right, they, they do have fewer stories to tell at the front, and that has yeah. kind of opened up a little room for us, right? Whereas I think yeah. that probably would have been closed off when they were twenty something you know, cup-level teams out there in the Xfinity Series, it probably just wasn't going to ever happen. You would have yeah. to be having some crazy kind of a day for that yeah. to be happening. But now they're generally going to do some sort of a field recap or something about the top 15. And yeah. you're going to get kind of woven in there if you're having a pretty good day. So I, I do think that's changed. They've had to uh, – just because of the way the series has changed, they've had to educate themselves more about teams like Jeremy's, about teams like mine. So is there room for improvement? Yeah. I wish they would tell those stories more. I wish they were yeah. lean into it a little more, but you know, I also understand that in the moment they're going to talk about the people that are leading the race and, and we get that. We all understand. Yeah. I mean, I
2: did a couple of zoom interviews this year with, uh, the different TV people. So, and, and Dave Burns would call me on my cell phone and ask me different questions. And the ones that feel comfortable with, uh, you know, before they'd walk up to you at practice, maybe, and you were standing outside your car and they talked talk to you for five minutes and just get a little bit of info. But, uh, yeah, obviously, there's room for improvement. And go, just go through the fields, you know, two or three times in a race. Say, uh, this is, you know, Tommy Joe Martin's in the 44. He's running, blah, blah, blah. He's had a good run, blah, blah, blah. Just go through there and do that. And it's really good for our sponsors, you know, our yeah. partner the – their stuff on TV and if they're only covering the top five and talking about Kyle Bush, every other lap, it's like, who the hell wants to watch that?
0: You know, the other part of this is I think we're missing out on some good drama. Like that's, so this is what I did, Jeremy. Like I went to college to do journalism and oh. the, most, the most dramatic moments generally are not when somebody's really happy. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually when somebody's really upset and yeah. like I think about it and I go like, okay, I take this for an example. Let's say that Phoenix was not the championship race, right? And so my team, we took a little bit of a strategy thing, and we got up there on the front row, and I wound up having a motor that was blowing up, and so I looked like a real dumbass because I went from about 1st to 25th in about two laps, right? My motor blows up 10 laps later. Okay, well, that's a pretty good story. If it's just the middle of the race and nothing's going on, why not just throw it to the pit reporter and go – Hey, I'm standing here with Tommy Joe Martins. Your motor just blew up. You were you just took the lead on that last restart. What happened? There you go. And that's just like 30 seconds just to kind of know what's going on. And that's something that I noticed happened a lot more in the older broadcast. When I go back and watch something on Speed World ESPN, is that if Jeff Bodine, who was running 21st, had a suspension part break on like lap 201, yeah. They just threw it down there to them, and they're like, "Let's just talk about Jeff Bodine for a minute, because well, it's like, well, we're just clicking off laps."
2: Yeah, why we don't not?
0: Everything really else to talk to about.
2: But I, you know, I forget this a lot, but we are entertaining people. We're on TV. We're we have fans at the tracks to watch. I mean, it's entertainment. So let's let's uh, you know try to WWE it, or you know. Yeah entertaining so i don't
0: blame you i mean you all in a fun fun one is it bristol jeffrey earnhardt got into the back of bj mcleod wrecked wrecked a johnny davis car he comes careening off the wall wrecks one of his own cars
2: gosh that was that, that
0: hurt that, that's, that's a great, what a great interview to interview both of them <laughs> yeah go, okay so bj you just got taken out by a teammate and you just wrecked one of the cars that you own how do you feel about that
2: yeah i'm sick so i mean yeah why not stuff like that i got wrecked at road america uh by another car that i was racing in <laughs> points for i mean you could have been like oh wow what, what happened and, and made a little drama there stuff like that but you in
0: that moment would you have given a very clean positive interview probably not
2: hell no <laughs> It wouldn't have been that positive, but (laughs) no, it wouldn't have been. There you go, Tommy. I don't know what it is, why it's changed. Is it laziness? Is it just don't care? Is it the it's obviously whoever's running that show, I I don't have a clue why why it would be that way.
0: Yeah. So this is and RJ, now we're kind of going down like a weird road here with this, but I mean, this is something I have talked to NASCAR about. And NASCAR has said that they really wanted to focus the Xfinity series on developing stars. Young huh. stars for the sport. So I, I know this is kind of a co-op thing between NASCAR and the media networks where they really try to focus on the guys like Chase Briscoe, which by the way, he's a badass. Like none of us are gonna make fun of this. Yeah. Just we think that there's enough room in the pie to tell a few other stories. Yeah. Okay. During the broadcast. It's not that we don't want you to talk about Chase. Chase is awesome and he deserves all of it. It's yep. just that when you focus so much on the front of the field. Think about the burnout rate that some of these guys have, right? Where they spend or they have a, a big sponsor or whether they're self-funded, whatever it is, they're on a big team. They spend a lot of money and they're gone in three years. And now we've talked them up and it's like, well, where did that really lead? Whereas you have a guy like Jeremy sitting here. This is me looking at it from a producer standpoint. Well, Jeremy, I know is in the series every year for like 10 years. Yeah, so that's, that's somebody that I can kind of go back to, to, to be the baseline story Mm-hmm. And then everybody else can kind of come off of that. So I, that that I don't know what – I don't really love the mentality of, like, we got to really focus on developing a star here because, as we've seen, we don't know where those stars wind up, right, RJ? Like, okay, we did that with Christopher Bell. Christopher Bell went to the 95. Did he really get talked about a lot? Now he's going to the 20. So it's some of that can be inconsistent with where the finish line even is for all the coverage that they get.
2: Yeah. I, I agree.
1: Yeah, I totally get that. And and one last thing here, I do have one last question. Um, when we talk about the races this year and how some of them, some of them will have practice and qualifying that will be aired. And I know I believe Daytona will have the single car qualifying as it always does when you're talking and both of you guys can have an answer about this. since both of you guys are drivers and owners when you're organizing sponsorship for the season and everything like that, is there a bigger benefit for them, um, to come on board for these races that do have the practice and the qualifying and, and the extra TV time like that. Is that a big factor in it?
2: I, I would say so. Yeah, for sure. That's just extra TV time, extra pictures, extra social media, extra everything. And before, obviously we didn't even look at that Like I, as far as that was just, that was just part of it. Now it's not. So, yeah. you know, it's just, it, it everything's changing. So, you gotta adapt to it. But yeah, I didn't even think about that. Uh and and I did lower our price uh a little bit, actually, which uh is a low price anyways, <laughs> um, to be honest, uh, for the for after there was no practice of qualifying because it just didn't take as much. Not that we didn't want it, but I'm saying if if You know they couldn't do it. Obviously, it was no big deal because it didn't. We weren't there extra days. We didn't have extra sets of tires, uh, extra travel expenses. Obviously, all that stuff. So uh, that is a very good point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm uh, not Tommy me Joe.
0: No, I mean the same thing. You know that that's that's something that we look at. Is it it saved us money, but is it costing us something more that we're not seeing here, which is like yeah. time for the sponsors at the racetrack, which is really what they're paying us for. Right. It's not just on TV, but also just the whole experience as a whole. All right. And we got to weigh that as an industry. Yeah. Jeremy, thanks a lot for spending time with us, man. Appreciate you coming on.
2: Yeah. Hey thanks man, so no problem. I really appreciate y'all and Tommy, can't wait to go door to door with you again next <laughs> year and hope you have a great off season. Can't, can't right? wait to
0: drop to the back of Daytona. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I know. Right, yeah. Let's go ahead and make a plan now. <laughs> right.
1: Awesome. All right, well, great to have you here. Thanks for coming on, and hopefully we'll uh, talk to you soon.
2: Sounds good, guys. Thank you all so
0: much.
1: And we're back here to finish up. The last half of the podcast and every week it kind of dwindles down with the news that we get. Um, I feel like we got a nice, nice week. We got some nice news in here. I mean, we got some confirmed mid-pack rides. One thing that I do want to start off with uh right, is something that we've talked about before. We we're saying who's gonna go to JD Motorsports, right? They got four cars, need to fill them up. And we kind of brought up two almost locks. I know one of them was Jeffrey Earnhardt, and the other one was Colby Howard. And Boom, this week, they're both confirmed. Jeff Earnhardt in the zero, Colby Howard in the 15. So that leaves two open JD Motorsports rides. And I mean, I can't say we were too surprised about Earnhardt and Howard, but I am excited that they're getting full-time opportunities and we'll see what else happens with the rest of them.
0: Yeah. So with those two being sealed up and, and look, I feel like that was the, we Knew, but it, you know they just hadn't said it yet on both of those. Um, so now we got two that are JD Motorsports rides. I don't necessarily expect a full time driver announcement uh, for one of those other rides. That would actually surprise me. Another full time JD driver. The one that's still kind of dangling out there is the '93. So that is now Josh Rayum that is running that deal. That is not affiliated with Ryan Sieg Racing anymore. So that's the one that I look at as like okay mid upper mid tier mid tier ride you know what is that going to be when when josh is now kind of on his own is it going to be the same because Myatt snyder has now gone over to the two car with rcr so there's that rcr piece that we talked about is rcr going to run the 21 as well i would assume that they would as as a sort of a a rotation type car like they did in this past year
1: yeah and let's talk about that rcr because that's been definitely a big thing we know that might snyder's going to that two car but we had a few drivers that could have possibly went to this ride front row motor sports 38 today uh a little adam stern bomb comes out and anthony alfredo is likely the front runner to take over the 38 i heard that the other one could have been kaz grala and they were kind of sponsorship and and, and fighting for that ride. But it looks like Anthony Alfredo might win that deal and head to the 38. I mean, for Anthony Alfredo's career, I mean, he hasn't even run, I don't think, a full truck or Xfinity season for points. But when he does, he's done very solid in the 21 Xfinity car. And now he could propel himself to running for rookie of the year. I mean, that's it's pretty cool for him.
0: Yeah, and, and what is that rookie of the year battle going to look like in the Cup Series, right? Like who, who else is fighting right who else has find him so so is that a strategic move for alfredo and look he's young is this the right time look everybody wants to debate this like i think this is more of a nascar thing okay if if it really comes down to me it's not anthony alfredo all anthony alfredo can do is look at the options that are provided to him Anthony looks at that and goes, I was in the 21 car this past year. When I was in that car, I was competitive. I felt like I was competing for top five. So I was competing near the front of the field. Everybody tells me that I did a good job. Okay. Well, if you're not really in this to try to win an Xfinity Series championship, if you're just trying to get to the Cup Series, you know, then check that off the list. And what I'm saying, the issue with this is it's not an Anthony Alfredo issue. He's a good kid. He's got the sponsorship. And he's weighing out his options. What what is the best option for me, Anthony Alfredo, as a driver on the table right now? What probably needs to happen is NASCAR shouldn't allow somebody to go to the Cup Series with limited experience, right? Where there, there has to be some sort of a checkpoint, somebody that can get to. And we spoke with Jeremy Clements on this podcast. Okay, there probably needs to be some safeguards so a guy like Jeremy Clements is potentially presented with those type of opportunities first, right? That those are the type of guys that we want in the cup series, the guys that have really put in the time at the lower levels. Now we don't expect you to be there for 10 years like Jeremy has been, but we do expect you to have done at least what would equivalent be a full season in one or the other, right? So like if trucks in Xfinity, we look at them the same way, we want to see you have run at least two full seasons of trucks or one full season of Xfinity racing before you can like apply for your cup license. Yeah. Something to that extent, right? Like with formula one, RJ, I think we both like watching formula one. Formula one's got a lot of fans. They talk about the super license, the FIA super license. And there are so many other series that count points towards a Formula One license, right? Formula Two gives you more points. But there are other series that also give you points towards a super license that would qualify you to be an F1 driver, right? So you basically understand that the guys that are hopping in these F1 cars, whether you think they're the 20 best guys in the world or not, they certainly are qualified to be there based on the qualifications that were set, clearly understood by everybody going into it. Whereas with NASCAR, that is a moving target. There is absolutely no rhyme or reason to it. And it's what really frustrated people about Quinn Half taking the ride away from a guy, um, my guy, Landon Castle, right? Where it, it's not, it's we're not dissing Quinn Half. We just don't know anything about Quinn Half. Yeah. Where you're going, who is who is this guy? I know who Landon Castle is. He's running the Cup Series for a long time. And Quinn just hadn't put the time in. That doesn't mean that Quinn stinks, Quinn's terrible, Quinn doesn't deserve to be there. It's more just, we want to see you put the time in at the lower levels. And, and I do feel like that NASCAR should do something about that. They Some sort of forced participation for a longer duration at the lower levels. And, and honestly, I wouldn't mind if there was some version of like success, right? Where it's like, oh, you won the Xfinity Championship. Well, obviously, even if you were only there for one year, you can go to cup, but you ran the Xfinity championship and you finished 15th. Well, we're going to need to see you down there for at least another year or two or whatever it is to, to establish, we basically want only established people coming up to the cup series, both skill level as drivers, but also from a marketing side, because we need to be able to explain these people as the best people in the world, the ones that are up here at the cup level.
1: Yeah. That's something that Brad Kozlowski had noted on, um, after, I mean, it was after that Texas race, the famous, you know, Quinn half incident that we talked about. And, you know, he was very outspoken about that saying, Hey, we need qualifications, you know, to come up here and, you know, he didn't name any names, but we know what he was talking about. And I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a bad idea to have qualifications because if you think about it right now, there, there was, I think there is a restriction because I do remember when James Davison, and of course, James Davison of all people who's driven a lot of things. They said he couldn't run the cup race at Talladega because he didn't have enough experience. So he had to go run Pocono instead. Um, so they do, I guess, have some restrictions. I mean, it it stinks it was James Davison of all people. We know he can go out there and drive a race car because we've seen what he's done everywhere else. But I think that's something that, you know, they should consider and look at more. You know, we're not saying Anthony Alfredo is going to go out there and destroy a bunch of cars, but, you know, he, he hasn't ran a full season anything else. And he gets up there, but it's a very, it's a very money generated sport as
0: well. Well, we want this process to be more transparent than it currently is. Mm -hmm. And that is for everybody's benefit. That is for NASCAR's benefit for the other drivers benefit and Really, for the fans' benefit as well, to understand like when is a driver qualified to move up to the next level, and then there's really no no problems with it. Like if Quinn Half was qualified, and Starcom made that decision and said, "You know what, Quinn Half can bring a sponsorship. Landon can't. We love Landon, but Quinn Half has done everything that is required." be qualified here based on these circumstances which by the way he was given the current circumstances but we're all wanting those to just be a little more stringent than they currently are and that's for anybody applying to run one truck race or for somebody that's trying to get to the cup series as quickly as possible because there's guys that have made cup starts where you go well, who is this person? And that should just really never happen. I don't think that's a good look for the sport. And it's certainly not a good look for our top level of our sport. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I want to switch here real quick to about a report that came out, I believe it was yesterday or two days ago, about the Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. Everyone loves short track racing, Nashville Fairgrounds. And this is something that I have told everybody when the news first came out about Nashville Super Speedway. Everyone's like, you know, we want to go to Nashville. And then they say Nashville super Speedway. And we're like, no, no, not that track, this one. And they're like, Oh, what the heck? We go to Nashville super speedway. You know, this isn't going to be good. And I'm sitting here just, I try to be as optimistic as I can about everything in the sport. And I'm like, you realize what this move is, right? You know, nobody, I doubt anyone. I mean, you know, Nashville super speedway, it's not a horrible track, but no one up there was like, you know what I'm looking at Nashville because I, we really, really need to have a race at this track, Nashville super speedway. I'm like, no, like there are, There are things, there has to be things behind this move that are, okay, we're going to go here because Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway isn't ready as it is right now for a Cup Series race. You know, they've been testing the area of Nashville for a while now with the awards ceremony, and now they're going to the Super Speedway. I'm like, this, everything is just leading up to a race at the Fairgrounds Speedway. And now they even said earlier than I thought, as early as 2022, they could have a race. I don't know if it would happen that early, but I think it was a lot of fans were happy this week about that news uh, for the Nashville fairgrounds.
0: And I was one of the leading candidates for being happy because that's, (laughs) that's kind of my home track with late models and everything that I've done. And, and I guess the joke that I've made is basically, I'm just trying to stay in the sport long enough to run a race at the fairgrounds again, before I retire. That's like uh, I'm 34 now. So I gotta, I gotta just keep my toes in the water long enough to, to be able to go back to the fairgrounds. But this was the step, Right. And, and this was hinted at. Maybe not everybody caught the news over the course of last summer, where Bristol Motor Speedway placed a bid to run the fairgrounds, which was eventually turned down by the fair board in Nashville. Which really had my head spinning around because I was like, "How? Why in the world would you turn down, you know, Speedway Motorsports from from running this deal? Because th- that's who needs to run this deal." Uh, is the Smith family and and let them come in here and do this thing. It seems as though that's the direction that we're headed where Bristol would essentially be taking over running the fairgrounds and that that's, what's going to really get the process going for the renovations that are necessary to get the fairgrounds to NASCAR level facility. And that's really the holdup here. Uh, That's where NASCAR wants to be. That's where we all want to be is the fairgrounds. And again, it sounds like we're dissing Nashville Super Speedway. I don't really have a problem one way or the other. But the fairgrounds track with the history, the size of the track, the fact that we can add another short track race in the south, in the, the location that it's in, which is close to downtown Nashville, it is really just like check all the boxes for exactly what we want in a facility. And it's just about getting it back up to modern you know, NASCAR top premier level standards. And once that happens, we're going to be there.
1: Yeah. We talk about short tracks. We could get Nashville fairgrounds super or speedway in the future, but we know that auto club speedway made an announcement or they had a, you know, transfer this week where they will not have a race uh, this year. Kind of saw that one coming, but everyone's like, Oh, we won't get to see the finale on the oval. But then right after that, they announced that next year in 2022, they will have a race on the big track. And then wipe it all out and have the short track race. So I think uh, a cool thing about that is you guys are going to be stuck in Florida for three weeks, three, probably more than that, for, to open the season. Daytona, Daytona, and then Homestead. Uh, so, for, I mean, for you and your team, are, are you looking forward to, to being in a, uh, a Florida tour
0: Very, very tan. I'm going to be very tan in the month of uh, February and early, early, uh, early March. No, it's what had to happen, right? So there you go to NASCAR. Everybody says, all I do is rip NASCAR. I'm not. That was the necessary move they had to make. Now, the replacement race being the Daytona road course and how this is all shaken out. Actually, I think this is something that really ought to stay around this is a good thing. This is cool. We call it speed weeks. Let's run the 500. Let's run the road course races the next week. This is a good way. Let's make speed weeks, speed weeks. It's going to be a couple of weeks, not a week. Let's make it a couple of weeks. This is a good thing. I think this is actually a backdoor really neat thing that they did here. And when I look at potentially how the schedule shapes up in 2022, which is going to be the big, like, what's going on year right? Clearly, the Cup Series wants to go to Road America. That's a decision they have made. I think that one sticks around. Yeah. When I look at, like, okay, well, we have now moved a race to the Daytona uh, road course. Is that something that sticks? I think it probably should. The question becomes, where is a race being vacated, right? So, like, I look at a facility like Texas – and what has happened this year, that, that is kind of the, the focus, whereas Bristol in my series is only getting one race. All the series need to go to Bristol twice. That's one that just like <laughs> wrap, wrap it up. We need to go there twice every single time. And where are these other races going to get moved around to accommodate a national fairground speedway, right? So if this is owned by Speedway Motorsports, then they would have to trade one of their dates open that up on the calendar because right now dover motorsports who owns nashville super speedway and dover they essentially gave up a dover race for nashville super speedway which i think all of us will agree good trade there because we all just know what we're getting at dover right yeah now this is the same company that used to own used to not anymore they owned st louis Gateway, which would be a track that we all would sit there and go, Hey, yeah, that could be kind of fun. And then you watch the truck race. And let me go ahead and tell you, it was not very fun. They get strung out big time. It's not a great track to put on a race. <laughs> You're going to get single file. It's basically longer New Hampshire without the short track um, uh, stylings, just a lot more arrow dependence. So, you know, I look at where these dates could come from, RJ, and I know I'm kind of talking around it here, but I guess the question is going to come down to, Where does Speedway Motorsports give up a race? Do they give up a race at Bristol? Because that seems like a mistake to me, but that's the word that I'm hearing is that the spring race at Bristol would be transferred to the fairgrounds and that we would still go to Texas twice, which I do not understand. (laughs) I don't get it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I know you're not in favor of Texas Motor Speedway. Not many people are, and, and from you driving on it,
2: from a with,
0: driver's with standpoint. the, the Dakota race, right? So, with the yeah. Dakota race happening, that is them testing the waters in another Texas market. Now, to me, if I'm in NASCAR and I'm looking at this, I'm going, "Yeah, I want one race at Texas Motor Speedway." I'm not. I'm not saying get rid of Texas Motor Speedway. Absolutely not. Yeah. It's a great facility, and it's in the middle of Dallas. Awesome. Okay let's run there and then let's run Coda and that's the Texas races. (laughs) But certainly we don't want to give up another race at at what we think is one of our best racetracks to make room for the new track and leave something that we think is just not putting on a great race right now.
1: Yeah. And you talk about the spring Bristol race and that is right now the Bristol dirt race for cup and for trucks. So if that, I mean, we know that trucks is going to, to Knoxville, which is great. That's really cool. So, you know, you wonder if they do replace that Bristol spring race with Nashville fairgrounds. I mean, the world would have a meltdown if they made the fall Bristol race dirt. I mean, we would just we would just lose it. The sport would be gone. They would never do that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if they take that away, I wonder if NASCAR is still going to look at this dirt thing and say, hey, you know, we should try it for Cup. You know, I mean, if it's re- if it's somehow really good, I mean, if it's terrible for Cup at Bristol Dirt, I doubt they would try that again. I mean, it is Bristol Dirt. It's not a dirt track. But I feel like they just wouldn't try that again. And I'm this thing about Bristol dirt, I mean, it's 500 laps. I feel like that's going to take forever. (laughs) They have changed the laps. I mean, they're going to have intermissions. The cars are going to be going way slower around the track. I just feel like it's going to take forever. I mean, I'm kind of mad that they didn't make this a night race, like a night event. They're starting it at 3.30. But then I'm sitting here like, well, this race is going to last forever. Like, there's no way they finish this thing in under three hours if they keep it at 500 laps. So I don't know. I mean, I know we've talked about Bristol dirt a lot. It's just a throw up. Like what the heck we don't, I mean, you're going to be watching it from home. You guys don't have to do it. So I (laughs) I think that's really cool for you, but I wonder if they, if they do keep this dirt thing going, if they do end up replacing the spring Bristol race with Nashville, Nashville fairgrounds, I wonder if they, you know, for an all-star race, I know we always talk about the Charlotte dirt track. They're doing Knoxville. I think it's all just going to depend on how this one
0: goes uh, upcoming. Yeah, definitely. And, and, uh, I look at this really, RJ, is like right now, this is clearly a transition year, right? So the fairgrounds isn't ready. California Speedway isn't what they want it to be at. You got COVID concerns going on with different areas. Like we don't know if we're going to go up. I mean, places where it's really locked down, right? Like Sonoma, that's later in the year, but that's California, right? We don't know if we're going there or not. So all these things going on, it's really just a transition year. And and I think that is why they did this with this Bristol dirt race, right? Where we're just going to kind of throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. And if it doesn't, then whatever, this was kind of going to be a weird year anyway. Right. I don't necessarily think that dirt is a long-term plan for the cup series, especially moving to a new car. But I think what those guys said as ownership is they went, well, this is going to tear the hell out of one of our cars. If you do want to try that, Let's try it right now during a year where essentially all of these cars are worthless at the end of the year anyway. So who cares? We can make one a dirt car. Let's do it. And so it's just the opportunity that the year is presenting Mm -hmm. uh, for NASCAR to try something like this. And obviously I am against it. I have said my piece about it, but but I understand the logic behind doing it. and and just want to get some eyeballs on, on a unique event and a unique thing. Now, what that's going to turn into for the series moving forward. Look, I think when you think about the direction of the series, I think the Xfinity series has clearly, along with Cup, leaned into road course racing. Now, what I would say is for series identity purposes, that the truck series should lean into dirt racing and get out of the road course game like that should be the thing for the trucks is we're going to run two or three dirt races and we're going to run more short track races and we're going to stay primarily in the southeast we're going to stay down here and the teams aren't going to have to travel very far we're going to run a lot of short we're going to run bristol twice we're going to run martinsville twice we're going to run eldora and knoxville and the charlotte uh, dirt track. And we'd be like, okay, well, that's already seven races in Richmond. We're going to run that. And, and like, when you start adding that up, you go, okay, well, you know what? You can put together a pretty good series with speedways, dirt tracks and short tracks. And I think that should be the identity of the truck series moving forward and let them run a few events on their own. Right. Especially with the new pit stop rules and everything that they're talking about doing. Okay. That makes sense. And let my series be a development series but also more road course focused. And, and it would kind of get rid of the need for, and it's clearly just like a, a little bit of a gimmick of the dirt thing in our series. Like, let that be, let that be the trucks thing that they go do. And that's really cool. And it's a wild card race. And it's a lot of fun to watch, but then our series aren't having to build a specialty car for a one-off one-off race.
1: Yeah. I think that's an interesting point because you know, this year is kind of just a throw up. I don't think this is, I don't think uh, California and Daytona road course swap. I don't think that's the last schedule we see, you know, schedule change we see this year. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to be made on the fly. You know, COVID's going to be a big yeah. part of that, but that is, that is interesting. You know, this could be a one-time thing and I feel like it definitely will be. I don't, I don't see them, you know, with the new car is already enough for 2022. I wouldn't see them making a dirt car, you know, a new dirt. They got to figure it out on, on asphalt and concrete first before they make a dirt car. So I think it's expensive to run on dirt. Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't
0: the most expensive dirt car in the history of the world.
1: Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe down the road, maybe once we get into this next gen car for three or four years, but that's definitely, and, and, and if, the spring Bristol race is replaced by Nashville fairgrounds. At least it's something that's, you know, a, a short track race, right? It's we're not throwing dirt on Bristol and it's a questionable move, whether we want
0: to, but then then, RJ, we're not gaining short track races. Yeah. When we take away a short track race and replace it with another one, then you have the same amount of short track races. (laughs) And the goal here is to gain short track races on the schedule and instead, we would be taking away California, which is a great, r- racy, fun racetrack that people actually enjoy watching the product at, and you're placing it with a short track, and you're like, eh, I mean, that's great, but I kind of like watching California Speedway. And then you'd be replacing Bristol, which everybody loves watching. They were the only races, the Bristol races were the only track that had two races in the top 10 of the was this a good race jeff gluck poll. poll. the only track that had two yeses was bristol okay so clearly everybody likes the product there and you'd be replacing that with another track another short track why are we doing that that feels like a waste replace one of those races that sucks with a short track race that's what we want. Yep. So, I, I don't understand why that's complicated, but it feels like it's very complicated. And I understand that it's ownership of the tracks and I get a lot of the other structure to this, but the basics of this is like don't replace a short track with a short track. Don't replace a good track with a short track. You're not replace a bad track with a short track and that's a positive move. And it's
1: one thing about the racing product, but it's also, you know, drawing the fans. I think Bristol does an incredible job. I mean, you know, the all-star race, you know, we hadn't had many events with fans and everyone was desperate to go somewhere, but they made that what, like right on the fly. I think it was, it had to be, I don't know remember the exact timeline. It might've been about four weeks before five weeks, but they had just said it. Okay. We're doing the all-star race at Bristol. And I'm pretty sure they sold out the, or we're almost there at the capacity, and there was just, oh, they sold out. That, it
0: was a 30,000 yeah. capacity and they yep. sold it out,
1: sold it out. Yeah. And right, right on the spot. And, you know, even for when the playoff race, when they went there, they've done a great job at the place, the things that they do. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. I mean, who doesn't want to go to Bristol motor speedway to watch a race? You get to see everything it's right in front of you. They're all going in circles it's right the there. You
0: know, the watch a race at in the world. It is yep. incredible. And so I, and it's such an amazing facility that I just go, why why are we messing with this one? This is the one we don't mess with more than any other track on the schedule, don't mess with this one. Uh, But I understand how the, the, look, with everything in life, everybody, follow the money, (laughs) that's it. So the people that are making the decisions here, NASCAR, the organization owns a lot of the tracks And anything that says Motor Speedway on it is owned by Bruton Smith and Speedway Motorsports. That's who owns those tracks. Charlotte Motor Speedway, Bristol Motor Speedway, Texas Motor Speedway, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. So anything that says Motor Speedway on it, they own it. So they were the one that made the decision to close Kentucky down this year. That was their call, which we don't see Kentucky coming back anytime soon. That's consolidation, right? And they're looking at that like, where can I move these dates around? And I think where one of those dates, that Kentucky date, is going to wind up is National Fairgrounds Speedway eventually. But right now, that date landed with Texas, and they did something weird with the second Bristol date. That's, that's how I see it going, and I would be surprised if it happened any other way.
1: Yeah yeah and uh it'll be interesting to see how all these schedule changes work out and like i said i doubt this is the final schedule change we see for 2021 2022 is a whole different story you know we'll see when we get that schedule even that could change on the fly next year but one more thing here that i sent out or a report came out today and i sent out a post today uh about iRacing and nascar um that nascar was likely going to use iRacing racing on the fridays and saturdays that uh that we don't have practice of qualifying you know for speed weeks you know they'll be out there every day for some of the new tracks we'll have practice and qualifying but for the weekends that won't have as much action they said they were going to try and fill the time slots with some iRacing uh, events or races and uh, I thought it was really interesting I mean a lot of people were buzzing about it today I think Dale Earnhardt Jr. had his own Q&A in my comment section today I thought that was really cool I came back from something and I see about like 25 comments and replies from Dale jr talking to people in here uh, about i-racing because he's very passionate about i-racing and he's all for this um so i don't know how much they would get the xfinity guys involved in this or the truck guys i think it'd be really cool if they do everybody but i mean what what do you think about about hopping on your sim rig on on a friday or something like that look
0: i feel like i have uh predicted the future i just want to <laughs> give myself a, a pat on the back there Uh, First things first, because something that I brought up on this podcast, being a little bit of a futurist and a little bit of a truther at the same time where I went, I worry about one of our series getting killed off for iRacing. And what do you know if the seeds are not being sown very, very soon as a considered replacement viewing for what we're doing as live action on the racetrack, right? Now, here's where I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit. As somebody that actually loves iRacing, I really do enjoy it. And I think it's awesome. And I think the people that do this at the highest level are crazy dedicated and incredibly talented at what they do. And I will watch iRacing. But here's where we're going to have a little bit of a problem when you go, all right, this is a replacement for live on-track activity, no, it's not. All right, let's stop because the one thing that racing has as a difference to i racing was well, really two things: number one, danger, and number two, consequences. And really, it could just be consequences. Consequences being danger. Consequences being uh, success, fame. Consequences being money lost. And equipment exploded, but injury and danger and like a sense of speed and all of this—that's included. Endurance, physical strain uh, from people that are that are competing at a high level—it's just not there. And it's racing. I'm not saying it's not racing, but it's not—it's not a sport. <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> And, and the most exciting part of auto racing is that sense of danger and consequences and the what if and the jaw-dropping. <gasps> and, and that, as cool as it is, and it should absolutely be on TV, and we should absolutely be moving this way, but as a replacement for a top-level series, potentially. And, 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 I, and I know that I'm being a little looking down the road here but I don't know that it can ever do that. And if we think yeah. that it can, I think we are absolutely missing the mark here because that's just not what it is. It is a cool, fun thing, and it is a wonderful way to get more people involved in motorsports. And that's where that first passion can start on a level playing field with everybody else, right? Where it doesn't matter if you got the Timmy Hill set up or the Denny Hamlin setup, you can go compete in iRacing and like that is awesome. We should promote the heck out of that. I'm going to get a little crossed up when when we're putting that on television as like, well, you know, we don't have an Xfinity race this week, but we do have this because I think part of the thing that made it so interesting here, RJ, when when that was the case, there was nothing else going on yeah. and it was the same drivers that you saw in races on sunday or on saturday or in the yep. friday truck race they were the ones in the races yep. so they were nascar stars just a eh, different kind of racing right so you, so why were you watching it were you watching it because it's i racing or were you watching it because of who was in it yep. and i would say that you were watching it because of who was in it right because not everybody's watching every coca-cola e-race and so if we think about that and go, well, we're just going to put the Coca-Cola E-Series on here and we're going to promote that like it's the fourth series. Look, I'm, I'm down with that, but I think that the results there are going to be a little more disappointing than what we're probably thinking that it will be. Yeah,
1: I, I was just about to say, I hope they didn't look at you know, what we had with the Pro Invitational the wrong way. Because if you think about what the Pro Invitational was, there was nothing going on. Pandemic has just begun, nothing going on. And this was an alternative that only us as motorsports had. We could make this, you know, as real as possible. You know, the NBA couldn't do, you know, like a 2K. You know, football couldn't do Madden. We had iRacing. But the thing about it is it was fun. We weren't watching these races to seriously, you know, see um, you know, who won. Obviously, we're rooting for drivers and rooting for good racing, but we were tuning in because we were watching Jimmy Johnson. We we're watching William Byron. We we're watching all these guys we see normally on iRacing. And it was just fun because there was nothing else, you know, to watch. And but you're I think,
0: also watching guys that are at the front of the field every week. Yep. Struggle. And you're looking at guys like Timmy and Garrett and they're like dominating and you're going, well, this is fun because it was so different and it was yeah. fun. And it was it, but it was the same characters, that you saw on TV every week and the same guys you root for, you can wear your Kyle Petty, you know, hoodie. You could wear your, your Timmy Hill t-shirt. You can wear your William Byron t-shirt and it was fine. It's going to be a different dynamic if we just open it up and just put iRacing on TV. Yeah. Am I going to watch it? Yeah. But is that going to be the same as, as what was going on with that pro invitational? Absolutely not. And, and I don't think that we're going to experience the same results. And I think TV would be disappointed uh, in, in what that would turn into.
1: Yeah. I, and before, you know, we were at, we had about just over a million viewers for um, a few of the pro invitational events, but it's just nothing. It's because nothing else was going on. You know, if you pay, paint a picture in your head saying, okay, if they play uh, an e Coca Cola, you know iRacing series race on fs1 say they played on fs1 or nbcsn or even cnbc are people gonna watch you know iRacing with names they don't really know over say football's on that night basketball because we have other sports we're competing with uh i mean heck maybe there is even another motorsports race somewhere maybe there's an f1 race somewhere an indycar race uh srx (laughs) srx is coming along um i just you know i hope they don't it's great to get uh, your spirits up high because of what we had with the pro-invitational, but that's not, we're back, you know, we're slowly getting back to normal. We got all these sports back, all this, you know, TV stuff. It's not going to be the same, even if it's just the NASCAR pro-invitational, even if it's every single cup driver racing, it isn't going to be the same.
0: And what, when is this going to happen? Is it going to be on a Friday? Is it going to be on a Saturday? All of us are going to be gone. Right. So like, I think, this really is being framed around those Coca-Cola drivers. Like, I, I think that's what's going to happen is the E-Series is essentially going to take over that Saturday spot on live TV, which like, God bless them. I think it's great that they're getting that opportunity. And and I will say it is great for the sport of NASCAR that we are providing that level of coverage to an iRacing series and really to just to eSports in general. Right? So like, let me be on the positive side here for a second. That is really really good for nascar nascar should be wrapping both arms around esports because like you talked about rj we can do something in motorsports that other sports cannot do that product when we put it on tv with the real life announcers it can really be dressed up the same as a real race right and what we're doing on iRacing is the same stuff we would be doing in a car. Now, obviously the conditions are a little bit different, you know, but you're not simulating a free throw, moving the sticks yeah. on 2K, right? That's not teaching you how to shoot free throws. Yeah. Whereas what we're doing in iRacing can translate to real life. And in fact, you got guys like Brandon Cattell who are really good late model racers and guys yeah. that, that can go out and win races at local short tracks. And I think that's awesome. So giving them a platform is good. But, I, but we haven't seen any details about what this is going to be, right? So is it going to yeah. be an invitational style thing? Or is it going to be the the Coca-Cola series? Or is it going to be a mixture of both? I would probably say a mixture of both. It's just we're trying to chew up content, right? So that's what they looked at as like, all right, well, you're cutting out, uh, you know, 70 hours of programming for us at Fox or for us at NBC Sports. How are we replacing that? Well, they're going to probably replace it with the eSports.
1: Yeah, I'm looking on my phone right here in the the comment section, and it's interesting because that's going to be it. Probably the biggest part of it is who's racing. Who are we going to be watching? You yeah. know, we know it's i racing. We know it's just normal i racing. Who are we going right. to be watching? Dale Junior said here in his Q and A comment section of mine. He said here someone had said that uh, Dale Junior can get his payback on Denny Hamlin at Homestead from that provocational race, and Dale right. Junior said, "Hearing I'm ineligible to compete, so Dale Junior." is apparently ineligible to compete in this. So that kind of says, okay, maybe we won't see Dale Jr., Bobby Labonte, and all those guys that kind of came for this. Um, So that still leaves the door open. Okay, maybe it'll be the Cup Series that we'll see. Is it the same pro-invitational drivers where Xfinity guys can come in and run Cup cars to try and qualify? But if, like you said, if it's Friday, Saturday, you guys are gone. You guys are on your way to the track preparing. So I feel like if it's the Cup or Xfinity guys, this will be something that's pre-taped, maybe. Pre-taped earlier in the week.
0: This, to me, is like... I ...care about more than anything else with this. They're going to care about who's in the race. So let's give them some stars. Even if they're older stars, let's give them some stars in the race. But yet let's also do the Coca-Cola racing series. Let's let's do that too. These races are over in an hour and a half, two hours. We can chew it. It's not like we're, we're dying for the timing of this. That's fine. I do think, RJ, one of the things that we haven't mentioned yet, the fact that these races were broadcast. Live, yep. live, not tape delay. We're showing it later, whatever. Live, because that's driving engagement on also social media, and that's what they're seeing. They want live programming, and what's so cool about iRacing is you can be live broadcasting this, and everybody's in different locations, and that's great. So that's what creates those type of opportunities for like the guys you said, Bobby Labani a Kyle Petty or whatever. Those are the type of guys that I think could draw some eyes to this, legitimize iRacing to the more casual people and also provide a good bridge to like, we could do like an iRacing Legends series. There's the Dale Jr. aspect, right? And then we can also do the the Coca-Cola E-series. So there's like a couple of ways to skin the cat here that I think could be really fun.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Maybe Jimmy John. I know Jimmy Johnson's always on iRacing testing yeah. his Indy cars, but, you know, this that could be something that could happen. An iRacing Legend series, you know, you'd probably have to introduce some of these guys to a sim rig, but, I mean, they all know what it is, but... You gotta have a bunch of names. And they know what a wheel pe- of RJ. They know what a wheel of pedals
0: is. I think they can figure yeah. it
1: out. They can, they can figure it out. You know, they might be in the back and a lap car like Jimmy Johnson was in the in the Pro Invitational, <laughs> wiping out the field in the first race. But you know, you get used to it. And
0: but guys like Landon Castle, guys that were in the series right and are now out, look at how much they drove traffic on Twitch and on social media. During that little stretch. And, and so, look, I'm all for NASCAR creating more stars, more drivers, more opportunities for people to be promoting NASCAR around uh, the country and on social media and different. The more stars we got, the better off we are as a sport, right? That's just drawing more eyes to it. And, and I think esports is absolutely one of those avenues that we ought to be pursuing. The place that I diverge from this plan a little bit is I'm just not saying blanket esports, it's all going to be great. There has to be an approach to this where we don't just put these Coca-Cola guys on an island and go, well, you're the same as the Xfinity series. Yeah. You're not going to get the result from that that you want. There has to be a way to bridge this and connect it. And you got to have some stars attached to that.
1: Yep, it'll be interesting to see what they do uh, with that. It's gonna be it's gonna be a very weird season. Scheduling changes everywhere. <laughs> uh, new cars coming out. Uh, I mean, iRacing is gonna be important in this esports. It's gonna be nuts, and it's almost here. We're getting into the the holiday season. It's Christmas is coming up. You got you got anything uh, special planned for for Christmas for New Year's?
0: Hanging out in Mississippi with the family here. Uh, and then uh, right there around the first of the year, we're getting right back to it.
1: Right back to it, yeah. I mean, have you have you been in the shop, been around the shop lately?
0: was over there in Carolina here uh, this past week. They're, they're hard at it. I told them to take some time off for Christmas, and I think they uh, sort of listened to me uh, where <laughs> uh, Buddy and the guys there, uh, I think they worked a couple of days this week, and then they're going to be taking some time off for, for the holidays, which we want them to do. Uh, still so much to do uh, before Daytona. It's going to be here yeah. before you know
1: Yep. Speed Weeks is coming up. Comes faster every single year. So that's been uh, episode number eight of the Drivers Meeting. Thank you guys all for tuning in. We'll be back next week, hopefully, potentially with a very special guest. If you've made it this far, we'd like to thank you for listening to the Drivers Meeting podcast. We appreciate all the support. And if you liked it, make sure to subscribe, follow, and stay tuned for upcoming episodes.